Hello again and welcome back. It is Monday, April 11th, 2022, and it's time for everyone to slow their roll again. We've got a little bit of, we're going to talk, I mean, actually, we're not really going to talk that much baseball. Season just started. We're talking a little bit of baseball. What are you talking about? We have three segments about baseball. We got. Oh yeah, we do. I didn't. See Actually, the, we got four, including this opening. We got the. I didn't see the. I got the Aaron Judge contract. I had to scroll down. Yeah. Actually, we're not much Red Sox talk, to be honest. No. Um, going to talk a little Patriots again. We're going to talk some Bruins and some playoff scenarios and uh, how they've been playing recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk Horton and Wilkes joining the Flores lawsuit. And we're also going to we're going to rank some of uh, the off season. Some of the best and worst for the NFL. Yes. But, uh, you know, we got a, I guess, a decent sized show here. Yeah, we do. So, Dom, I'll, I'll just turn it right off to you. All right, we got Brian Salem, the regular, back in back in studio oh, yeah. here for this I'm one. I'm kind of just used to him being here now. No, I know, but you always <laughs> got to say that when that third oh, yeah. voice going to come on. You're like, oh, what the heck? All right, well, yeah, right. that's Dominic Lorenzano. <laughs> I'm Jesse Caulfield, a writer for the Ocker Report, <laughs> and special guest who's here pretty often at this point, Brian Salem. Hi, Hi Jesse. Hi, Hi, Brian. Let's go. So, I don't. I'm going to love the baseball product no matter what because I just love baseball and I played it and I love the nuances and following everything. So I'm good, even though plenty of things that change piss me off with what they've done. I don't like change that much. But I'll give two things right now that baseball could do that would make the product way better. The first one is not revolutionary. It's been talked about already, and that is limiting the shift. Listen, we have dirt and we have grass in the outfield for a reason. I have no problem if they say, hey, not four people on the grass anymore. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Keep that guy on the infield. It'll help the offense more. And yeah, that's that's the big thing for that. But here's the biggest one that we haven't talked about. And it will never happen because the, because the players will be pissed about it. But 11-man pitching rosters. That is it. You can only carry 11 pitchers. To stop this Congo line of guys coming out of the bullpen that nobody knows. Now guys have 13, 14 pitchers on a staff so we can mix and match all day. I know people are bigger and the health and and all that stuff has never been better and that's part of the reason people are throwing harder. Here's the other reason though. They don't have to go that long. I know as the third starter, I might only go four innings, five innings most, so I can go all out far more than they could have back in the day. I mean, even flamethrowers like Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, watch. They'd, they'd have the flames a little bit for the second and third, and then they'd narrow it down, and they'd bring it back up whenever they were in trouble or anything like that. That's how it used to be. Now, I can just throw as hard as I want because I'm not going to be out here that long. Same thing with these guys they bring out of the bullpen. So it hurts offense. It increases the strikeouts and less you know balls in play and less action. And here's the other one. Fans want to know the players on the team and be able to follow who's playing. I follow baseball like a nut job. And still almost every single game, there's at least one guy that's thrown out there from the bullpen. And I'm like, I have no idea who this is. Much less your average fan. If you only have 11 guys on the roster, we all know the five guys in the starting rotation. We can follow it more, we can follow the guys, and we'll feel more connected because we'll know the players. So many times, three guys a game, maybe they they look good because they can throw as hard as they want. Oh, 98, he looks really good. In reality, he's going to be on your team for about two years, up and down, and bounce around the league to another three or four teams and be irrelevant. That's how it's going to be with half these guys, especially who come in in the fifth inning and the sixth inning. 
it used to be when you looked at, you know, you'd go into the paper and you'd look at the schedule or what happened last game and the schedule. Everyone would look at the starting rotation. Everyone would look at what's the pitching matchup for that day. And we all knew the guys and we knew we'd be out there for a while. And it was one of the big draws. Now it's almost whatever because they're going to go four innings unless it's your ace. So I think if they go to 11-man pitching rosters, it'll speed the game up, less strikeouts, it'll make fans, and it'll just help with the notoriety. We will know the players more. I think it'll help baseball and the product a lot. I know it'll never happen. They'll never do it. But I think that's one of the biggest changes that could be made that I haven't really heard anyone ever talk about. So Mm. you guys' reaction to that? Well, I mean, they didn't agree kind of to the at least not so extreme with the shifts. You know, players can't go on each side of the bag and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming. Yes. And, you know, and that is that is good for hitting and stuff like that. They're actually even looking at outfield shifts in the minor league right now mm-hmm. um, and how how deep and uh, shallow you can play them. So, I mean, that's that's coming. That'll change, I'm sure. But with the pitching stuff, and I've talked to you about, like, how is the, is the age of the ace and these 200 innings and 20 win starters, is that disappearing? And slowly, I feel it is. And I feel like, well, you're, you're right. I don't think they'll ever agree to this rule mm-hmm. because of injuries like and how hard they throw now. Everyone's getting Tommy John, sometimes even twice. Um, and I think if they do implement this, it'll just kind of bring more long relievers. Mm. And like you'll still get those five-inning starts because, God forbid, someone faces a batter for the third time. Even five innings is good enough for me. I mean, have you looked at the start so far? Uh, I know how Quinn, I love it, like, I mean, three and two thirds or something yesterday. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I know these guys didn't have as long to get ready for this season. I know that's part of it. But I mean, all around the league, even guys who are names, I'm seeing them go four innings right now. Yeah, and like, like I said, and I don't think that's good for the game. I don't think it's good for the fans. No, because people, yeah, people used to come. I when I one of my favorite games I ever saw was Chris Sale pitching. I think he went like seven innings against uh, Texas, and it was electric the entire time, mm-hmm. pitch after pitch. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really dying thing. And I think if this change ever comes, which I know they're not even talking about it right now, of 11 pitchers, that leaves, yeah, five starters, six bullpen guys. Probably that means you got two long, two middle, two setup, and a closer. Mm-hmm. But at that point, they're going to be five long relievers in a closer because they're probably going to go each an inning, two innings, just to eat up that time. Even then, though, I think it'll be better because at least, at least we're going to see the same guys all year and people will know their names. Okay. You'll be able to follow them. I mean, come on. The last three or four guys on a bullpen seems to shift and change every like three weeks, depending on how much they've worked and who's hurt. And it's just up and down and up and down. But that also means you're probably going to see a lot less pitchers busting into the majors. They'll, they'll bust in later because the spots, there's so much limited spots. Yeah. Um, and we're only, we're only willing to throw money at the best starters, best relievers because we have that's such the other thing. That's the other thing I was going to say. I, I could see where this would even help the players, even though they're not going to agree to it. Because at the end of the day, scarcity creates value. And if I can't bring up an extra three guys now for my pitching, that means if I have a quality long reliever, he's actually worth more money. If I have a quality middle reliever, he's worth more money now. Yeah, but an average pitcher at that point is probably never going to make the major league roster on a good team. Yeah, except, come on, people always get hurt. There's always going to be the openings. And then, sure. I'm not saying you eliminate when rosters expand in September, but okay. for this point of the season, for the first, you know, however months it is, you know, April, May, June, July, August, we don't need a small army out there in the bullpen 
so I can have a Congo line of guys after the fourth inning who 90% of the fans don't even know who they are. Do you like the rule they put in, was it last year, where you have to go at least three batters? Yes. Okay. I like that rule, too. For you the think, same reason. Do you think they should even maybe extend that further? No, I don't think they should extend that further because, I mean, what if I bring a guy out of the bullpen and he just clearly can't find the strike zone? He just does not have it. I got to be able to pull him. Okay. I, I think the solution is you just can't let these teams have just like small armies out there in the bullpen. What about pitch clocks? That's coming, though. But do you like the idea? Yes. Okay. 100%. The game used to be way faster. And if you watch the National League pace of play and how much faster the pitchers work, they, they work way faster. Well, part of the reason the longer time in between pitches is everyone seems to be a power pitcher nowadays, even seeming every starter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the longer you take in between pitches, the more velocity you're getting on the next pitch. Yes, that too. So. Yeah. All right, Brian, any thoughts on that? Well, to your last point there, Jesse, I feel like that's sort of what the game has turned into. It's home runs and strikeouts now. Oh, yeah. A little bit. And that's and, sexy, but and well, yeah, it's not sustainable. Exactly. And that goes back to the point about um, the shift, which mm. I'm totally fine with, mm-hmm. like as long as it's going to help boost offensive numbers, mm-hmm. which I do think is part of the problem as it relates to the game as far as like ratings and stuff go. Yeah, it, it not only does it, it's not even just about boosting offensive numbers with a shift. It's about. It's about making it more attractive to not just swing for the fences and then strike out. Making it more attractive to just put the ball in play and let's keep the action going. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there, there's that hole over there now for the left-handed batters again. Yeah. yeah. And did you, I don't know what the podcast was, but Theo Epstein went on a podcast recently, someone's podcast. They were talking about possible ideas of changing uh, the game to get it faster, more exciting. Mm-hmm. And Theo was talking about how, yeah, he really wants to do away with the shift as much as he can. And not even just for the offensive aspect, but, but it creates much more exciting defense. Mm-hmm. It's harder to get to balls. It creates much more diving plays in the infield, mm-hmm. running um, running in the gaps in the outfield and stuff like that. Yeah. So it can create just more exciting defensive plays too. Yeah, Brian, what about what about my thing on the eleven man pitching? That's the only you're only I'm allowed to carry eleven pitchers on a roster. That actually surprises me based on the way the game is trending, especially in the last... Like, no, 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 no. I'm saying I, that was the rule I would implement. Because most teams are carrying like 13 or 14 now. Yeah, that's too much. Exactly. That's too much. Yeah. But I think like the reason why that's, like, that's the way that roster building has sort of mm-hmm. trended is that Baseball has become so, like, stat and metric-based. Oh, yeah, yeah. And analytical. Yeah. Like, what happened to just, like, giving the game the eye test? Yeah. That's what Theo Epstein was talking about. It's become too much of a game controlled by nerds. Yeah. No, it has. Like, like, why are we even trotting these guys out there? Just enter the numbers into a computer and simulate (laughs) simulate all 162 and we'll go from there. No, I no, I get you, and and that's part of my problem, and and that's why I think an eleven man pitching roster will limit that because you can't just mix and match that much anymore. And guess what? You can't have all your starters, other than your ace, only go three and two thirds innings every start now because you don't have the guys in the bullpen. You don't have enough. They got it. They got to go through the lineup two or three times. They have to. Well, I think a lot of this has come from the analytics. Oh yeah, it's. Managers are so scared to let players see their pitchers too much. Mm-hmm. They can't can't bring them in too many times against one team. We got to mix it up so the next series they won't they won't be able to remember what he's thrown and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like 
I get it. You you got to do whatever you can, use any resource you can to win the game. But like, yeah, it. it I agree with that. It's ruining the product a little bit. All right, all right, all right. But I, I th- just don't think it's ever going to happen. Oh no, I don't think it'll ever happen. No way. But I'm just saying it should happen. But anyway, from that, I think we're ready, Jesse. Rapid fire news, real quick. Rapid fire news. All right, keep it with baseball. So actually, this happened right after last week's show, but the MLB announced that three players will be suspended 80 games for testing positive for PEDs. Mm. Danny Santana, Jose Rondon, and uh, Ricardo Rodriguez. I don't know who that last one was. but Wait, you don't know who Ricardo Rodriguez is? No, it's not Ricardo. Oh. It's just Ricard oh. Rodriguez. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought that was the closer that was with the Pirates no, no, a year no, no, ago. No. Oh, okay. No. no, no, no. More baseball news. I don't know if you heard this from Ronald Acuna Jr., but he actually came out and said there was friction between him and Freddie Freeman, saying they weren't friends and that he won't miss him. Mm. So I actually wonder if getting rid of Freddie Freeman might have been better for the Braves. I don't think so. No, I think I think Freeman was just a I think Freeman was a veteran who told the kid Acuna when he was first came up and stuff like, hey, we do have expectations here. Professionalism This is how the Braves organization is. Freddie Freddie had a retort to this okay Uh, yeah and uh, so i think i think it's just about friction between a kid who wanted to be free and do his own thing and a a veteran who was telling him this is the way we do things here in atlanta all right i am sure there's two sides to every story so but uh all right your red Sox started this weekend it went eh. (laughs) in went one and two against the yankees you could have won all three games but we got got swept last year to start the season that is true (laughs) We're, we're worlds ahead of where we were last season Right, more local news. The Bruins, they went 2-2 two and two over the week on their road trip. They beat the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Tampa Bay Lightning. However, they did fall to the Detroit Red Wings and Washington Capitals. We'll discuss more of that later in the show. Hmm. Uh, your Celtics, they went 2-1 and one this week. They beat the Chicago Bulls and Memphis Grizzlies. And they took an L to Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. And actually, the Celtics officially clinched the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Nice. Here's another Celtics stat for you, actually. So the Celtics will finish with a record of 51-31. and 31 which is the best ever for a team that was under 500 at the halfway point. They were 20 and 21. Uh, if you don't want to do that quick math in your head, they went on a 31 and 10 run. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, all right. We're going to talk some Masters right now. Some Masters news. Scotty Scheffler, he won the Masters yesterday as a 10 under par. Who? I don't know. That's not what you care about. You care about Tiger Woods finishing 47th with a plus 13. That's what you care about. And finally, to round out rapid-fire news from some, with some somber news, uh, quarterback Dwayne Haskins passed away on Florida Saturday morning. Uh, he was 24 years old. And uh, just a quick thing about him. We've talked about him on this show a little bit. We've talked even some crap about him on this show a little bit, mm-hmm. about his work ethic, his maturity level, and stuff like that. But he was just a kid, and it's still, it is still tragic. And I will say I have never heard a bad thing about Dwayne Haskins, the person. Yes. And he was, you know, he was a stud in college, and that's how he should be remembered. Yeah. I agree. All right. That's been Rapid Fire News. From that, Jesse, I know you had this to talk about, what, three weeks ago, I think, after we signed it, but I know you have more thoughts on the Red Sox and Trevor Story. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, even... Let me get, let me get my camera ready. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So even last week, we talked about how, like, when this came out, maybe it was in two weeks ago at this point, mm. how we, we kind of liked this deal you know it helps the offense and stuff like that um but realistically i've kind of just i I feel like i let people talk me into liking this deal because my initial thought was because that means that's pretty much the end of xander bogarts here Mm -hmm. they offered him a contract he turned it down immediately 
Um, and I don't, I don't get why we want Trevor Story so bad. Xander Bogut is your homegrown guy. He wants to be here. He's been here since he was 16 years old. Um, and you're you signed a guy who is the same age, not as good, mm. and like he's going to strike out 150 times a year. Is that worth it? He's not much of a better fielder than Xander Bogarts, and I I like how you know the analytics like to crap on his fielding, but he's he's fine. He's an average fielder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about how Mayer's coming up, Marcelo Mayer, the mm-hmm. stud um, shortstop, but like that's still years away, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he can move to second or Xander can move to second. Somebody can move. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really don't like this Trevor Story deal because of what it means for the long run. You're kind of phoning it in. You went with the cheaper option, the $20 million man as opposed to the $30 million man. And I, I think it's it's going to bite you when you have a guy striking out 150 times a year and a guy that batted 250 at Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't like that. I'd rather have the 300 hitter that's going to hit 15 home runs a year um, and can... And is, you know, the face of the franchise. Mm. And I hate how we are so quick to get rid of him. And I know you said, like, oh, if we just keep Devers, I think it was worth it. No, I'd rather have Devers and Bogarts mm. than, than Story and Bogart or Story and Devers. I just feel like that's worlds ahead. And, like, I don't want to pay Bogarts $30 million. That's what he's going to get. On the market. But, like, he's, he'll, there's no doubt in my mind he'll take a little bit of a pay cut. If you can get him for $28 million, I'll be like, fine. All right. Fine. I think I would prefer 25 but, I mean, you already got him on a super cheap deal for the past couple of years. Give the man his money. Come on, John Henry. He spent so much money buying soccer teams in Europe and the Pittsburgh Penguins. How about you pay your players for your big money maker? you know? Mm. That's where you make all your money, John. With the amount of money that the Red Sox have coming off the books next year, though, wouldn't they, in theory, be able to pay both Bogarts and Devers? Yeah, because Evaldi's going to be a free agent. Uh, J.D. Martinez's contract is up, I believe. So there's there's a lot of money possibly leaving this team, including Bogarts. So I'm not saying that based on the way that Henry's ever done business, well, we'll call it the last 12 years, right? Yeah, he used to love to throw that money around, but then he won a World Series, and now he doesn't care anymore. Right. So, who are we to necessarily rule out the possibility that they could both be back? I, I don't. I, uh, I don't think so. Just we, because I do think dream, they brought in Story because he's going to be Xander's replacement. We dream big here in Boston. We win we, big. We, we dream, dream a little too big nowadays. We, we, we win we big do. and we dream big, bitches. I, listen, I, and it, we should. You talking about all the money coming off the books. Why wouldn't you be happy if they re-signed Devers to an extension and then they took that money that came off the books and addressed the starting pitching? I mean, I actually, you know, if you want to go there, I would like them to sign Ivaldi again. I'd like him to stay here for another couple of years. Um, and or ho- or sure, on the market next year. Listen, you got you got a guy, you got a Steinbrenner owner, you have a Steve Cohen owner. This guy has money. I don't want to hear it about, oh, I don't want to pay the luxury tax. It's like you've been under the luxury tax for a couple of years now. You can take a couple of years of being over it. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the money, bro. You, I mean, you listen, love to spend money in Europe. Listen, the luxury tax thing does piss me off. Because if, if you're, if you're going to play that game, don't charge the same as ticket prices or go up every single year. And, yeah. you know, charge me $20 for a Coke and a hot dog. And here's the thing. I also am not that confident they're going to keep Devers. They, they offered him a contract, and he, I mean, he didn't say it, but it was basically like a slap in the face to him. 
Mm. He's another $30 million man. I don't know the exact figures, but I'm sh- it was pretty close to 20, I believe. That's $10 million less of what you're going to get on the open market. No, I wouldn't take that either. Mm. And like, you still have, you'll, you know, if you don't resign him, you'll still have him next year. Um, but like, it's probably going to be another Mookie Betts situation. Well, you didn't take our cheap offer, so we're going to trade you for some stuff mm. and hope that works out. That's mean. Verdugo's pretty good. I do like Verdugo, but like, where's Jeter Downs? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Where's Where's Wong? Yeah, they're not here yet. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. You never know with prospects. But no, I, I, I can't. What's the thing? I'd rather I have the guarantee of a I can't st- see. young stud endeavors than a couple prospects. Listen, I, I completely am just anti your take on this. I, I don't. You want to see Devers go? Or no, excuse no, no, me, no. Uh, Bogarts go? I mean, I don't want to see it, but from a baseball perspective and business perspective, yes. Here's the, well, here's the thing. I don't know what... How old is he? He's 30. We got his best years at a very good price. He's still got a couple good years left. We brought in Trevor Story at a cheaper price Same to be age. the replacement for... At a cheaper price than what Xander will be for a replacement for a little while while we wait for the kid and Xander can walk. And I have no problems with Xander walking. Uh, I do. I, I will be sad as a fan not to see him there. But, but but from a baseball perspective, I'm totally cool with it. I wouldn't want to pay him. At, story at a cheaper price. That money comes off the books. You address the starting pitching next year and you extend Devers. Listen, I don't want to pay Xander Bogarts $30 million annually until he's like 37, 38. So if you can be like, hey, man. You'll get that 30, maybe even a little more than 30, maybe 32, but we're going to give you four to five years. Mm. And then we'll talk again about a cheaper contract where you can end your career here as a second baseman, DH. Maybe we'll even move you to the outfield if you're willing to do that. Mm. We'll see. When, when, he, the thing, he, when I, he signs the kind of deal that he's going to sign in the offseason, you're going to be like, ah, all right, Dom, I see what your do point you, was. Do you think he's going to get more than $30 million? I think he's going to get six years, $32 million a year. And you, listen. Bare minimum. I'd pay that. Bare minimum. I would pay that. Especially like, you know, hey, we got some we got some options here in those past couple of years. So then we can like re- restructure of whatnot. Because you're going to be old. Mm. I, I just. Disgusting. And these fans, the fans should be not unhappy. Like, this is your guy. Mm. And I understand you, you should do what's best for the team, but getting rid of Xander Bogarts is not what's best for the team. All right. Brian, do you have any last things on this? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Do you, do you agree with me, though? Do you feel? No, I do. I do. Like, for as long as I... Well, hang on now. For as long as uh-huh. I can remember, what have Red Sox fans bitched and moaned for up and down? John Henry? Uh, no, no. I said bitched for, not about. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, I mean, a couple different things. A shortstop that can produce offensively. And we've, we've had that. And okay, we've had one. You, yeah, we had him for the peak years of his, of his career at a very nice price. Cash out now. No. You brought in Story, the cheaper option, as a replacement for a little bit. The money's coming off the books. <clears throat> Sign Devers the kid. Because you're going to give him a bunch of money, but you'll get his peak years and address the pitching. All right. If you're going to cheap out, don't be surprised when your team is cheap. I agree with signing Devers. 
And if you can get Bogarts back for slightly under what his market value is going to be. What are we going to do with the pitching then? You can do it. What are we going to do with the pitching? Uh, well, all right. They have, let's say, let's say they both get $30 million, Devers and Bogarts. You got $60 million on one side of your infield. I don't care. There's no cap here. And John Henry has a very deep pocket. And that man needs to stop being cheap. Oh, I won my World Series. I'm Listen, just... I, I had a whole rant last year during the season on John Henry being cheap at the deadline. I'm not disagreeing that John Henry isn't cheap. I'm just saying from a baseball and business perspective, I think I totally get this one. All right. The business side, I kind of get. But the baseball side, no, I don't. Oh, my God. Bogarts I... gives you a far better chance to win for the next five to ten years, probably not ten years, than Trevor Story does for the next five plus years. Okay, but you're making it just about Story and Bogarts. The pro, the point is, is you got Story, you got free money saved up, and you address other needs on the on the team. You really think spending five to ten extra million dollars on a shortstop, a really good one, is really going to be like, well, we can't buy any pitchers then? Kind of. If you're going to pay, if you're going to, if you're going to give Devers the extension, be paying Story twenty million, and then. Pay Xander another thirty million, probably a year. Yeah, I do. I do think that means I can't address the pitching. Mm. So you don't pay Xander thirty million. Your story there, Devers extension, and then you address the rest. All right. Well, I can't wait when they let uh, Bogarts walk, trade Devers, and then don't address the pitching. Listen, if they trade Devers, Henry's an ass. But I'm just saying, as long as they do what they need to do, I'm I'm totally cool with this. Trading Devers is the deciding fact. Well, I'm what I'm. Yeah, because I just don't have faith in this front office. I don't have faith. I don't, I don't have a ton don't of faith either. either. But I'm just saying, if they sign Devers to an extension, I'm okay with Xander going away. Mm. And I'm not because here's the thing: I don't think they'll address the pitching. What with more Michael Wakas and Rich Hills? Ah, uh, I know, I know. We'll see. And I we're mean, not we're not so high up against the luxury tax right now either. And they still cheaped out this offseason. I know, I know. We'll see. We'll see how it all goes. The right. analytics say Michael Walker and Rich Hill are awesome, though. Oh, gosh. For, what, four, three to four innings? Uh, by the way, he's facing Detroit today. What, what are your, what's your prediction? I don't dislike Michael Walker. If that's your fourth or fifth, hey, that's probably a pretty good uh, rotation. But, like, no, I know. you started with Ivaldi, pretty good. I, that's a, a great two. Yeah. And Pavetta, great five. And then who? Oh, Hauk. And we'll we'll see how this you know how he grows. I, I'm I'm a hype little hype on him, but yeah. <sighs> I know, I know. All right, all right. We're gonna take a quick break here, guys, and then we're gonna get into uh, the Pats, Parker, and uh, some questions about Bill Belichick. So, quick break, guys, and we'll be right back. back here at slow your roll moving on plenty of baseball talk today but we're gonna move back into some football talk 
Devontae Parker going to the Pats. We addressed this with a fair and foul take, but we didn't address the move itself and the whole offseason really all that much. So we're going to get into this a little bit more. Brian, I know I didn't properly prepare you for this, but I want your thoughts on Devontae Parker and then what you were talking about with Bill as well. Because we at least addressed this about a week ago. So So the Devontae Parker move is... I, I saw it and I jumped for joy because mm-hmm. it was like a sign of life. And when I say sign of life, you'll you'll all know yeah. how that ties into where we're going uh, about uh, Bill here in a minute. But mm-hmm. like, wow, that was exciting. No, they, I, they, they, they got like they got a receiver, an actual like <laughs> an actual s- dynamic talented yeah, receiver. Right. I was I'm still in shock. Like I texted you guys about it, and, yeah. and Jesse texted me back. Well, is it still April Fool's Day? <laughs> uh, like, talk about Bill actually kind of like it's almost like he's pandering to the fans now a little bit. Without, oh, I don't think Bill going out of his that. way to make a move like this. And part of the reason that I say that is because Kraft came out in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and said some stuff that, in a sense at least from Bill's perspective, could be a little bit damning mm. about drafting and roster building and being able to get, you know, the mo- like to maximize the potential of guys that are on the roster now that, you know, he brought in last year or the year before that that haven't really assimilated or taken off yet. But, like, the Devontae Parker deal, like, not just for what you got him for, but you think about how he's going to fit into that offense. He's not necessarily great at one thing, but he's pretty good at just about everything you ask a receiver to do. Decently physical, decent route runner, decent speed. He, I actually saw a stat. He was like in the top three the last two years, actually, in contested catches. Uh, he's, a, he's a big guy. Yeah. So that that really helps. He's he's what they wanted Nikhil Harry to be. Yes. That, that guy that at can that, go up and jump and get the ball. That's, a good, that's a good way to put it. That is a perfect way to put it, actually. Yeah, he is what they were hoping Nikhil Harry would be. So not only that, but you've got a guy that, like, you know his ability, but you're far more familiar with it in a sense where he's a guy that his entire time in the league you face twice a year. Mm -hmm. You know just about everything you need to know about him. His ticks, what he likes to do, what he's good at as a player, injuries, all that stuff. Not only does bringing in a guy like that from that perspective help, but in the sense of, like, I think Devontae Parker will be able to open up a lot of, like, he'll be able to open up opportunities other places on the field for other oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, players in the offense. Like He'll get, now he'll get you, the most looks and focus. Right. Now you have a big physical guy that size um, on one side of the field. That's going to open up space for speed guys like Aguilar or guys like Hunter Henry when you need a guy with catch radius or just size in general. Um Love this move. Hmm. Absolutely love this move. I like what you said about what Kraft said and putting some pressure on Bill. I love the move. I don't think it changes anything on its own yet, but I do love the move. But I I do think, you know, I'm hearing things that like Bill's going to run the offense now. And I I didn't want to be Felger about this for a while. (laughs) I was trying to be a little more nicer. But like when I hear Bill running the offense, it kind of makes me think. Bill's losing it. Would you rather it be Bill or Joe Judge and Matt Patricia? 
uh, no, definitely not Matt Patricia. To be a but wit- that's like to, to okay, be- but that's like that's like saying, hey, I, I would rather stub my toe than break my foot. Like they're both just awful. Well, they're also uh, and they're both showing to me that Bill is out of touch. There was rumors of Bill O'Brien also. Would you rather Bill O'Brien? Yes, I still would rather Bill O'Brien. A thousand percent Bill O'Brien. Really? I don't, I, listen, percent. and I didn't want, yeah. I, listen, I, we, we talked about this, I didn't want Bill O'Brien to be the OC because I don't think he was that great in Alabama. But if you're going to say Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick, or Bill O'Brien, I'll take Bill O'Brien all day. Mm. Would you still take Bill O'Brien if you throw Adam Gase into that mix? No. <laughs> no, I don't want Adam Gase near an NFL team ever again. <laughs> Absolutely not. Neither would I, but there was rumblings. I know there were. I know and there it, were. It frightened me. It frightened me too. Um, listen, I I think the league is starting to pass Bill by a little bit, though, and I think it's gotten significantly worse after I just said after I heard the news about continuing that a oh, Bill Belichick's going to run the offense. Is he Pete Carroll bad? Probably not yet. Does he remain still one of the best schemers? And you know teachers of the game and that helps absolutely but the overall picture i believe is passing him by and i the last couple of weeks think it's passing him by at an even faster rate than i originally thought so i i kind of think this is not good times for the next couple of years for the pats unless i see bill be able to pivot much the way his great friend nick saban was able to pivot Nick Saban, the game looked like it was starting to pass him by a few years ago in college. Then he brings in Lane Kiffin, you know, the young star offensive coach, and totally flips the script in Alabama. They go from being a big, physical, linebacker, offensive line, running back team to now being like wide receiver central and a wildly dynamic offense throwing the ball all over the yard. Nick was able to evolve with the times. I haven't seen Belichick be able to do it yet, and I don't know if he can. Mm. I mean, with some things, like if you look at his draft, and I know he was a little more hands-off last year, yeah, and the draft why, was better. That's why he was better. But the thing is, he, I mean, he, I'll, say, I'll give one thing, I guess, that game is passing by. He loves his big linebackers, and that's not where the game is anymore. Seems to be maybe getting away from it, getting rid of Van Noy uh, this offseason. Uh, but also, like, he could never draft a wide receiver anyway. No, so that is, you can't. Something can't pass you by. Something you never had. No, but like, I don't know. He with this whole running the offense thing. I do you think he's a bad head coach now? No. And also, he the defense was not that great until he went in there and said, "This is mine," mm-hmm. and then it went back to being crap when he gave it away. Yeah. So I don't really think the game is passing him by. Now, with this whole thing of being the No, I think the larger picture of the game is passing him by, yes. Roster building yeah. more than... He remains, to me, one of the best in-game schemers and coaches and right. teachers of the game. But right. Well, what grade would you give him for his free agency an thing last, last year? Oh, last year? Oh, um... Because, I mean, what is it, like 50% of free agents even work in the NFL with your team? And I think he that's true. slightly over 50%. That's true. That's true. I would probably give him a B. And yeah, I don't... I Yeah, I... We're going to talk about some of the worst off seasons. Right. He did. He did. A, he had a very. He did have a good off season last year. It's just this year now. J.C. Jackson gone. Shaq Mason gone. And it seems like. And I understand why they felt like they couldn't pony up the money for Jackson and why they wanted to free up money with the Shaq Mason thing. My thing is then, if you're going to free up that money and not spend it, you still need to go out and get some talented guys, even if they have a name. But it's like. 
no, I can manufacture it and bring a bunch of no names in again, and I can manufacture the production that I got a J.C. Jackson and Shaq Mason on the O line, and it's like I don't think you can do that anymore, Bill. That's my biggest. Yeah, thing. he just thinks that the scheme and what he does will work despite the pieces. I'm sure he could probably find another. He yo, he loves those undrafted cornerbacks. Listen, Butler and, and J.C. Jackson. Be, and he might be able to find one in the draft. He might, but. I, I, the broader picture of him thinking that I don't need the players, my system will win out. I don't think that's the way the league is anymore. Mm. Um, do you think he's putting too much on his plate now this com- upcoming season? Probably. If he's going to run. Well, because like, and here's the thing. I don't like the nepotism that he's doing. And I like with mm-hmm. his son and Mayo. I know Mayo's not his son, but like, you know, he was former Patriot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a similar thing. And, like, I, I've had some trouble with who he surrounds himself with. But, like, if he's going to be the offensive coordinator now, the play caller, I mean, he's probably just going to hand off defense to his son and Mayo. So he's not going to really focus on that too much. So I don't know if he'll have too much on his plate at that point. And, like, he's not an offensive coach. And maybe this is Bill just being like, no, I got it. I know what's up. I, I know how to teach a young kid how to be a quarterback and stuff like that. Am I, did I like this offseason? Did I want more weapons? Did I want more defensive weapons? Yes, but Bill's never been the guy to really want to spend a whole lot of money other than last I season. Like, I know, but but these old things that Bill does is, is what I'm saying is the problem now. Like Talent is starting to win out over scheme, I feel, a lot in the NFL. I don't know. because With how quarterback dependent and and how many rules now go in the favor of the offense. I mean, The Patriots weren't that talented last season, and I know they dealt with teams like the Titans had a lot of injuries when they play them, but like well, Bill, that's why I say he, he remains the best in-game coach. But if we're talking well, about getting over the hump, but you say like and being talent a, a wins true, over schemes now, and I'm saying Bill's schemes really kind of last year were better than people's talent over a few teams, and that got him some wins that maybe he shouldn't well, have had before. But if, you're, if we want to talk about competing for a Super Bowl again, I don't see it. At one point, they were the favorite to go to the Super Bowl when they were beating up the garbage teams and padding that what six-game, seven-game win streak. I mean, listen, I'm not saying he's Pete Carroll, take him out to pasture and get him out of his misery. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you want to compete for a Super Bowl again, I think the game has passed him by on that. With I, what I'm seeing right now. I, I just I, I disagree. Until you get a GM in there and you tell Bill you have to hire a real offensive coordinator. Bill will never allow a GM in there. Jesse, the days of trading out of the first round so you can draft an Ivy League safety. <laughs> And expecting to be successful that same season. Yeah. Those days are over. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, When was the last time he did that? When he drafted Kyle Duggar. Actually, I like Duggar. I like him, too. Don't get me wrong. It's just... trading out of the first round to draft an Ivy Leaguer? Yeah. No, I get your Uh, point. uh, That one kind of worked out, though. It kind of worked out. But is it enough of a difference maker? I mean, great. You got your replacement for Patrick Chung. I get his point. Here's, Here's his point. Here's his point. If you don't want to spend the money in free agency and get big names, and you're going to trade out of the first round of things, where are the difference makers? Uh, I like, mean, like in well, the, I said, I didn't like this offseason. Okay. And I think they did take a step back, especially since Miami and Buffalo took a step forward. But I think like, Miami's going to regret that 10 games in. But, but like, I, I feel like we've complained for years about, like, Bill doesn't do anything in the offseason, and yet we're still... I mean, I know the Cam Newton year wasn't good, and last year we really fell off. Actually, can like, I say this about the Cam Newton thing? I think that season was the worst thing that could have happened to the Pats. Just go into the tank. 
Just go into the tank. Oh, Bill, Bill can never do that. I know he can't. I'm just saying, I think that was the worst thing that could have happened for the Pats. It was the probably the worst thing not going into the tank, but like looking back at it. You were just for, for, middling it. For Bill, like just, just, he, he probably looks at it and goes, that was one of my best coaching jobs ever that huh. whole season. No, I, it was. To, to even it was. Get him to seven Did and Cam nine. Newton win a single game for them that year, though? Nope. So like well, maybe, you might, maybe maybe Miami so, well, in the season opener. Other oh, than sure, that, sure. No. But like my point is like you couldn't get much worse at the quarterback position. You kind of were tanking anyway. Like was it really going to get much worse with a different quarterback? Probably not. Probably uh, get, yeah, I think it, it would have been. Would, no, 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 better. no. I don't think so. Someone that can throw the ball across yeah, the, yeah, the line Cam, of scrimmage. Yeah, but Cam at least gave you the ability to run and do different things on barely, offense. And, barely. And, like, I don't think anyone realized how bad Cam had gotten throwing the ball until about halfway or two-thirds of the way through the season. And then that's when things really went off the rails. But they were able to disguise and manipulate and stuff like bit. that. And here's the other thing. Nobody knew what to expect. You couldn't game plan for the Pats because you had never seen them with a quarterback like that. So, I mean, so many, that's why they scored so many points in the beginning of the year. Like, so many teams went in there just like, throw all the film out for the last five years. We have no idea what the hell to expect. Yeah, but I feel like halftime, you did know what to expect. Yeah. And then, like, the, you can, how many, how many great, how many coaches are that great at adjusting in half, though? Bill. Other than Bill, though. Uh, Andy Reid is pretty good. Yeah. Only elite coaches, though. So I'm saying we'd be able to get a bunch of wins over the rest of the league with, you know, disguise, scheme, and them not knowing, like, what the hell to prepare for. That's my point on that. All right. I think we're good. I think we're good. Real quick. All right. Go for it. If, if Jamison Smith, wicked big hypothetical kid. Wait, wait, wait. You mean the wide receiver for Bama? Yep. Williams. Yeah, Jamison Williams, my mistake. If he falls to a spot in the first round where Bill could hypothetically trade up and get him, would you want Bill to draft him? Yeah. As much as I don't want them to draft a wide receiver, yeah. Okay. If John Mechie fell. Yeah. That's about it, though. (laughs) Those are the only two. I want this so bad, I'm like willing it to happen in my head. Listen, I get it. And I don't want him to draft a wide receiver, but you know what? He at least did what I hoped, and he brought in a veteran who I feel we all were pretty secure on what his production will be. So if he wants to roll the dice on drafting a wide receiver, he can. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've heard talks of like, oh, because of how well Jamar Chase and Burroughs worked last year, more and more teams are like, well, let's get Mar, let's get our college quarterback, his college teammates to throw yes. to. Yes. And um, uh, I guess maybe, but it's like. Was it chemistry, or is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase just that good? Oh, I think it's I think it's more they're just that good, what? especially Jamar Chase. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, even I, without Burrow, Jamar Chase was considered. Th- that's the reason he sat out the last college year, because everybody knew he was the best wide receiver anyway. So Jamar Chase was like, "Why would I bother even playing?" Okay, that pissed everybody off in LSU. You have no idea. <laughs> well, down in Louisiana, they were not happy about that's that. A, that's before he could make his money for playing in college, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. save your body. Yes. I mean, Jesse, wait, wait, come, on. come on. I lived down in Louisiana. He was making money playing ball. ball. Oh, I'm sure, well, I'm sure they were actually making money, just not on the books. <laughs> I was just telling you. All right. All right, moving on, moving on. You guys, this is your segment, Jesse. 
We're going to talk some hockey, yeah. some Bruins. Um, I guess it was an interesting last week for the Bruins. Mm. I I have mixed feelings about it. You know, road trips and whatnot. You know, uh, and that first, so you play Columbus. The next day you go to Detroit. And, like, obviously I want you to beat Detroit. That's not a good team. But it's the second game of a back-to-back. For some reason, I think there was, like, they lost six straight in Detroit and, like, five of the last, like, seven. So that team just had your number. Yeah. So I'm not, I didn't care that much about that game. I, I, I hated that you wasted a Carlo shorthanded goal. I always hate when the goals are like that are wasted. But the the Washington game is much more of my concern because, I mean, this power play without Pasternak, useless. Mm-hmm. I think it's been uh, 0, for, I think 0 for 15 in these past couple games since you lost Pasta. And... Uh, the injury bug is starting to bite them. They lost Grizzlick the last game. Their defense is getting thin, which is really what they do not need to get thin. Um, so I, there is a lot of questions. Uh, Lindholm um, and Pasternak are not expected to be out that long. We'll see with, with Grizzlick. But this is this is kind of a bad time for this stuff to start happening. You know, you got hot, and now you're cooling down right before the playoffs start. Um, you're competing for the second and third spots with Tampa and Toronto, and Toronto has your number hard right now. You cannot stop that team, and that's going to be the team you face on the last day of the season. Um, so there is some concerns here over the next couple weeks, um, and you obviously need to get healthy. You need to figure out something with that power play if Pasternak is not going to be back soon, uh, but also, like, you, you... I'm scared for this defense again. Because it, it it's so paper thin. Yep. You, you made it. It got a lot better with um, uh, Hampus Lindholm, but it's so paper thin. You kind of can't lose anyone. Because I don't. I hate Mike Riley. I'm going to say it. I hate Mike Riley. I don't trust Forbert in against fast players at all. Carlo is so inconsistent, and he he. I don't know. Him and Grizzly weren't working. So I I I I have so many questions and concerns. I do too. I do, and it's always like it's always. I feel like every year that the Bruins get ahead of steam going and they look like they're going to be in pretty good shape heading into the playoffs, at least as far as the way they're playing and their position in the standings, there's always two or three key guys that are out with some sort of injury. Yeah, and I mean, that's 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 sports. You can play a long season, you got to lose some people, but like you're losing the people that you cannot lose right now. I know. A pot. That is, you lost your best goal scorer, and you lost your at this point your second best defenseman, and maybe your third best defenseman, fourth best defenseman. And I, I don't trust. I'm certainly not going to trust Connor Clifton, being a top four. God no. Yeah. So. I don't even know if I trust Connor Clifton as a top six. No, I, he's he's a great seventh defenseman. <laughs> um, and I, there's things I even like about Clifton. I think he adds a offensive dynamic that some of the uh, defensemen don't. But like, I don't. He can be, he can look so clueless in the defensive zone sometimes. He can be so flat-footed, and like Mike Riley also. Like this, oh, if I mentioned I hated Mike Riley, like this dude. The is, Bruins just lo- for whatever reason love these like big dumb oafs that it's like oh well just get back. Yeah, and so Mike Riley won't do that though. And when he does, he's just looking around, puck watching. Well, that's where I was gonna go. They love it, and then they can't even. They don't yeah. even really find it anymore. It's like, oh, I know I'm supposed to get back, but what do I do when I get back? Yeah, they're just lost. Yeah, and it's uh, like, as uh, like I said, there's, I mean, your special teams, 
your def- your penalty kill has been okay these past couple games still, thank God. Um, but like I said, you are 0 for 15, 16 over these past couple games on the power play. It, it really shows how Pasternak is everything on your power play, even the second line power play. You lose your fir- one of you guys on your first line, you got to change up the lines a little bit. That messes with things. And then, all right, you don't have your stud on the first power play line. Well, we can we don't have to put everyone, to, all the penalty killers out for that first line. You can you can spread it out. All right, we, doesn't matter. They're not going to score, so I just spread it out. So as far as remedying the power play, as 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 bad as it looks now, like I do have faith that Cassidy will be able to figure that out because I think he's actually for the most part, as long as he's been the coach here, he's I think he's been pretty good about being able to figure out which guys to slot in and out of certain spots. Yeah. Um. So I think, you know, like if Pasta does end up being out long term, I hope not. Like, I think that's something that Bruce will be able to figure out. So that won't be such a huge glaring issue. But like to your points about the defense, like. Yeah. <laughs> No, exactly. Like, Things that make you go, Bleh. yeah. And then I saw, when I think about, like, if we look at someone like the possible matchups, like right now, if this, if it ended today, you're playing Toronto. Do I like Toronto to win the cup? Absolutely not. They don't have defense either, and they have no goaltending. But that matchup is frightening as all hell. Yeah, you're not you're not going to beat the you're not going to beat Toronto six to five every game. You like, don't have good enough stay at home guys. No. outside of McAvoy and maybe Lindholm. I only say maybe there because I know he's more of a... He's a three-zone yeah. kind of. He's a, two, he's a right. two-way defenseman kind of guy. Not only that, they're so much faster than you are. Oh, yeah. You're never going to catch up with Marner and Matthews and um, was it Kerfoot is another one. Like that, that team is... You know, that's the flaw of the Toronto. They literally just try to outscore their uh, deficiencies. But, oh, God, can they score? And then can they score it well? And like I said, like... You're not going to beat them six to five, four, four times in a seven game series. It's just not going to happen. No, and you're they're, not, they're not. The Bruins aren't built that way. No, and nor are you going to shut them out and shut them down. It's just not going to happen. You're they're not going to. built that way either. <laughs> yeah. Austin Matthews, or yeah, Austin Matthews is about to be a 60 goal scorer. You don't, you think he's going to just going to, you're going to shut that guy down? Nope. No. I don't, I don't care how good McAvoy and Lindholm are 100% healthy. It's not going to happen. So you got to, and you don't, you don't have the scoring prowess to do that. As like I said, I don't like Toronto in the playoffs, but I don't like you against Toronto in the playoffs. No. I'd rather play the Lightning. We have their number for some reason. Yeah, I know. What's up with that? Uh, I mean, I, they are sliding right now. They're just they're just tripping themselves into the playoffs. Um, I just think they, uh, I don't I don't I, I really don't know what it is. I think it's just they're so familiar. They've kind of just adapted. The Bruins have adapted their game to deal with how. I mean, they're not as fast as Toronto, but to no, deal with... No, but they're with, still way faster than you. Yeah, and I think at least the Bruins know that. And they're also... They're willing to push back against Tampa more for some reason. Yeah, they got big guys like Hedman and Maroon and... That was another one in there. Can't remember his name. Bogosian? Yes. Th- those are big guys. And I, they're not intimidated by that, which is good, especially since... Like, like last year in the playoffs, like... You lost to the Islanders because they, they beat your ass. Yep. Um, not because they were faster than you, not because they were more skilled than you, because they just beat you down until you couldn't compete anymore. 
And I am scared of that a little with Toronto, or uh, excuse me, Tampa. But that's not really their game. They always think speed. So when they try to throw the body around a little bit more, now Maroon and Magosian are just so good at it, and that's just their game. But that's not Tampa's game. So that's why I don't know. They just don't scare me that much. Florida doesn't scare me that much either. But like, they're so hot right now. I don't know. I still like, to your point, like I still like the Tampa matchup and Florida matchup more than yeah, Toronto. Yeah, but it seems neither you or Tampa are going to catch Toronto at this point. So you're not playing Tampa in the first round. It's just not going to happen. One of you has to get the wild card, which means you're not going to play each other. And if you get, in all likelihood, if the Bruins get a wild card, it'll be the first wild card, you're going to Carolina. The team that outscored you, what, like 20-3 to this season? No. Please, no. It's really good. No, There's no good road this year. No, and I even talked a couple weeks ago about how, like, Bruins fans should be happy with how the trade deadline went because no one else really souped up in your conference. But with these injuries the past couple weeks and the possible outcomes, it's it's not really looking good in that no, first round. You're almost back to like pre-deadline. A little bit. Status. Yeah, and if you can just get past that first round, I'm actually a lot more hype about this team. But I'm so scared of that first round because what you're probably going to face, either Caroline or Toronto, and those are your worst possible matchups. I know. Before five minutes ago, I was still thinking maybe second round. Like getting to the second round? Yeah. What do you think? Like I said, if you can get to that second round, I'm not that scared of Florida. I'm not scared of the Rangers. Even though we just lost to Washington, I'm not scared of them. Um, Pittsburgh has our number a little bit too, but like, I don't know. They fold in the playoffs. Uh, Pittsburgh doesn't scare me. No, not that much. Because they're actually, they're, they're falling off a little bit too. They've started stumbling. Um, and you can, P- Pittsburgh's a team, you can, you can, you can like push them around too. Yeah. Actually, Malkin is probably going to get suspended. Just cross-checked somebody in the face yesterday. So that's not going to be good for them either. Um, but actually, yeah, th- that is a team you can push around. And that would probably have to be your game because, yeah, you're not going to outrace them either. No. Uh, but, yeah, it's mostly I'm so scared of Tar- Carolina and Toronto. And that's really where you have yourself right now. It would have been so good to win that game yesterday against Washington. I understand you weren't 100%, but that would put you in third place and that would have you only three points behind Toronto. And, again, if you're going to face Toronto, obviously I'd rather have home court. Uh, home, court. home ice advantage. That's just not going to happen. You're not catching them. All right. <clears throat> yeah, is that? Yeah, that's kind of it. All right. From that, we're going to go back to a little baseball talk before we go to another break. Um, so, baseball is back underway, and, and it was back with some fireworks uh, early yeah. on. We had two brawls, one on opening day and then uh, one a couple of days later. I do want to talk about this because I thought – so the Brewers and the Cubs got into a, got into a benches clearing, you know, kerfuffle, as you like to say that's for that word. word. It is. It is a great word. And you know what? Keegan Thompson totally threw at him on purpose. That was one of the all-time most obvious ones I've ever seen. But I want to give props to Keegan Thompson, the umpires, and the entire situation for the way it was handled. The Brewers have a reputation. I know. I think you have some stats on this. The Brewers have a reputation for hitting a lot of batters. They have some of the best pitching in baseball with some of the most electric arms who throw really, really hard. And they work inside, and they seem to not really care if their guys don't have great control at the time or not. They will continue to pound the ball inside, which I understand. Kudos to them. 
But come on, consequences. I mean, actions will have consequences. The Brewers had hit four Cubs already in through the two games at that point, and Chicago said, "We don't necessarily think you're doing this on purpose, but we, we've had enough. And if you're not going to have control and you're going to continue to come inside on us, then we're going to go after some of your guys and get them hit." Because there should be consequences to you guys doing stuff like that. And Thompson did it right. He hit him pretty much right in the leg, aiming aiming for him right in the butt. But Cutchin had some words, but he mostly took it. I thought all the way around, I thought it was handled absolutely perfectly. The ump didn't toss anybody. The ump said, came out and said, all right, now I'm going to give the warning. You guys hit up somebody. Cubs clearly retaliated on purpose. That's enough. I want to end it right now. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great old school baseball sort of, you know, predicament, unwritten rules, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but I, I thought all the way around uh, it made perfect sense, and, and kudos to the umpire, too, who I think handled it completely well, and Keegan Thompson, I'm sure you're going to have a suspension, I haven't even looked yet, but you know what, you needed to do it, and the Cubs needed to do it, I'm totally cool with everything that happened. Hmm. Actually, yeah, that little stat, I don't know the exact numbers, but in the past three seasons, the team that has hit another team the most, mm-hmm. the Brewers have hit the Cubs more than any other team. Mm. Second is the Cubs have hit the Brewers. Second most out of any other Probably team. Probably in retaliation. <laughs> yes, but here, the, what another kicker is, the third most combination is Cardinals hit the Cubs third most of any other team. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just a perfect storm of Brewers love to go inside and Cubs love to crowd the plate. And it's just a perfect storm of you're going to get hit a lot. Well, I also, but I also think there is a stat. I think Milwaukee is, in general, though, hitting teams like right. one of the top. I mean, if you're a, if you're always kitchen. in people's kitchens, like, not saying they're doing it on purpose, but like, you know, it's sometimes you're gonna like, all right. Well, clearly, I'm gonna they, get a little closer than I need to because I'm trying to back you off the plate. I'm trying yes. to make you second guess and stuff like that. I'm not saying it's on purpose, but there is seems to be a disregard to. We throw really hard and we want to come inside. Maybe I don't have great control today, but there's a disregard for them saying we don't really care. We're gonna continue to pitch how we want to pitch, which if you want to do that, that's fine. But you're going to get your guys hit too. I have no problem with that. Yeah. And yeah, we talked about it last night. Like I, I don't have a problem with what the Cubs did. If they're going to come back at them, mm-hmm. just don't aim at the head. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was a good baseball thing all around. Brian, I don't know if you ever looked at this after we told you this was on the segment. But... Uh, I did real quick. I, I don't like that a guy got hit in the face, but I love everything else. Oh, no, no, no. That was the, that was the Mets one. Oh, yeah, that was that, that was, was Lindor. Yeah, that was Lindor, and that was—I mean, Lindor is going to bind. It was clearly an accident. I get why the Mets were upset, but for the for the Brewers and uh, the Brewers and Cubs one, I thought just, just good all around old school baseball stuff. <laughs> well, it's uh, certainly exciting. Am, am I? Well, it is exciting. Well, that's why I like it. Baseball <laughs> needs more excitement. Yeah, it was. It, it was like that unwritten rules stand up for teammates, and like as I said, if you're going to play a certain way and do things a certain way, there will be consequences, and I don't understand. I don't understand why we're so anti-consequences these days for, for you know, actions, but whatever. Well, yeah, people are, some people are scared, like, oh, you're throwing at players on purpose, you're going to injure them and, and stuff like that. you hit him in the butt. Well, yeah, that's why you just, hey, don't aim for the head. You know, probably don't try to hit his hand either, because yeah. that's that's probably yeah. the most sensitive spot other yeah. than the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, hey, if you're if you're going to constantly come in a guy's kitchen, mm-hmm. and if it if it's going to be a little erratic, mm-hmm. yeah, you should expect this. Yeah. And, and, like hey, if you're if you're if you're gonna then be upset, well, like I don't know, pitch differently. You're an asshole. You <laughs> pitch differently. You started it. Yeah, I you know. I mean, yeah, probably not on purpose. Like I said, 
I'm sh- I know pitchers, especially like they like to intimidate hitters sometimes. I'm going to pitch close to you. I'm going to purposely throw this ball close to you just to back you off, make you second guess and stuff like that. Especially young players, veteran pitchers on young players. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Great for baseball. Yeah. Not hurting players, but no one no one got hurt. No one got seriously hurt. I'm sure there's some bruises and stuff like that. You rub some dirt on it and you, uh, you take your base. Yes. Yes, they did. McCutcheon did a decent job of that. All right. From that, we haven't heard much on the Brian Flores thing, but uh, you told me that Horton and Steve Wilkes have now joined the lawsuit. They so, have. So, I, I, Brian, I'm going to have you – you put this on the agenda, so I, I want to let you have any thoughts and, and start this out. You you know my opinion on the, on one of these men joining the lawsuit, but, you know, I I'll do. let you go. So, regardless of one of them just being a <laughs> – wow. I don't even – An incompetent. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I still think it's... Get a little family-friendly still. Come on. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think the fact that Flores has two two more guys coming on and backing them up here is great. Um, and this is one of the things I said to you when we were talking about it the other day, Dom. Like, how... Because of the sort of... I don't want to say corrupt way that the hiring process is conducted throughout the league, but like sort of the nepotism, like these owners want to hire guys that remind them of themselves mm-hmm. in a sense, I think. Like because of that process and that mentality and how just messed up the whole Rooney rule and that hiring process is, like how deprived are we mm-hmm. as far as like a pool of like really good talented coaches Mm. like a whole crop of guys that we just know nothing about or irrelevant Mm. because minority coaching hires aren't getting equal opportunities yeah like i am so for whatever Mm. like steam that flores and this legal team are able to pick up for this case Mm. Yeah, I, I I don't think Steve Wilkes joining it is uh is is good for the for the look well, of it. Well, no, as far as because when Steve Wilkes <laughs> well, no. was the coach of Arizona, nobody was... thought the Cardinals were going to be the worst team in football, and they end up being the worst team in football. I mean, I agree, but just I I would not want Steve Wilkes's name on this lawsuit. I made the jokes with you all time when you told me this. If I was the Arizona and I was in court, I would literally shut up, look at the jury. Put on film and just say, hey, watch this. See this guy over here, the safety? He's not supposed to be over there. That's coaching. Oh, see all the penalties? Oh, we had 12 men on the field again? Oh, we couldn't get the play in time again? I mean, I'm just saying it, 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 it panders to the other side who was trying to say that you know, it's a bunch of people who didn't have enough success and they're trying to either get their money back or make excuses. I don't like Wilkes' name on this. I really don't. I think Flores has a point. I think the NFL has a problem. I think the Rooney rule is stupid. It wastes a lot of people's time. And I think clearly, as you said, owners like to hire people that remind them of themselves. But man, I don't want Wilkes' name on this. Well, no, I don't either from that perspective. But like, so think about it in this light, right? Mm -hmm. When Wilkes got canned, Mm -hmm. the guy that took over was Cliff Kingsbury. I get that. Had no professional coaching experience at all. No. So if you're going to can a guy, right, 
because you want to bring in someone new. I get that. And you want to bring in a guy that's got potential. I get that too. But the optics of it... I, the optics were, especially considering like now... Like in favor of a guy that had no professional coaching experience. And had a losing record at Texas Tech. Right. Um, I get that. He but, has done a better job. Yeah, But the th- that's the thing. The results are Kingsbury has done a pretty good job. In my opinion, at least. I think he's done a pretty good job. First half and, of the seasons, yeah. And at least it was on brand and on trend for what was going on in the league because it was the McVay and Shanahan craziness that just started and we got to go offensive and we got to go young and he's friends with McVay. And, and so it, it made sense still to me, but I do understand from the optics perspective, it didn't look great. Uh, well, when I was digging up stuff about Wilkes, Mm-hmm. And the two things he cited of why he's in on this lawsuit is, A, he felt he was a bridge coach, just there for one season, kind of like what the Texans just did to... Um, Cully? Yeah, right. Um, which, hey, maybe that was literally the exact same thing. But, like, how do you prove that without, like, some audio tape of someone admitting to that or some file or something? And, like, I'm sure he doesn't have that. And then the other thing was, like, he felt he was undermined in the draft. He wanted Josh Allen. They picked Josh Rosen. But, like... It's not your job. Yeah, no. That's certainly not going to prove that they were discriminating against you. Yeah. But well, then, listen, plenty of coaches want things one way and they don't get it that way and the front office wants something different. Yeah. And like, hey. I mean, hell. In I mean, hindsight, Wilkes is right there, but yes. like Josh Rosen was hyped up and Josh Allen wasn't. But can I say, this is this is why I don't buy Wilkes and his, I feel I was a bridge coach. Why would you hire a bridge coach when you just drafted a quarterback in the first round? That's a good point. No, you wouldn't do that. You want a real coach that you believe in because you need to make sure that your quarterback is developing. I don't think he was a bridge coach. Why? Again, there's no reason to draft a quarterback high first round if you don't think you have the coach. I think he had a legitimate shot. I just think he was one of the most disastrous head coaches I have ever seen in my life. They were awful. They were so bad. They were so bad that the Browns were still bad then. They were so bad that I had watched them a bunch of times. I can clearly remember this, the Browns going in and being like, oh, I'm going to put a lot of money on Cleveland. I know Cleveland is better than Arizona, even though Arizona was still the favorite, technically, because it was like halfway into the season. They were just both bad teams. But like, if you just watched Arizona, it was just like, this is the worst coach team in football. Like, hands down. It was it was brutal. They had plenty of talent there still, too. Not to be a good team, but they shouldn't have been as bad as they were. I mean, Buda Baker was there. Peterson was there. Uh, Chandler Jones was there. Like, th- there was no excuse for that it. That should be better than 3-13. and 13. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it, it should be. However, on the other side of this, though, Horton, mm-hmm. I feel he does have a case. Oh, I think he does. Um, I don't know if you guys found this, but um, so in 2016, he interviewed for the Titans job, mm-hmm. but it was given to Mike Malarkey. Mm. And then... On the, it's called the Steelers Realm podcast. I don't know who hosts it. He went on in 2020, mm-hmm. and he talked and he made some comments. He said he talked about how it's a cutthroat business. So a lot of guys will tell you that. I allowed myself at one point when I was in Tennessee to get caught up in something I regret, and it, I still regret it. But the ownership there, Amy Adams, Strunk uh, and her family, came in and told me I was going to be the head coach in 2016 before they went through the Rooney Rule. And so I sat there knowing I was the head coach in 2016 as they went through this fake hiring process. Knowing a lot of coaches they were interviewing, knowing how much they were prepared to go through with those interviews, 
knowing that everything they could do and they had no chance of getting that job. So that's pretty damning. Yes. Especially if it's on recording. And a other a coach that was hired admitting that a team violated this rule. I mean, I guess that's technically not even a violation of the Rooney Rule. No, it because it meets the requirement. Yeah, but the damn, problem, is that disrespectful? <laughs> no, it is. It is. And if you've seen the way uh, some of the NFL owners have behaved the last couple of months, I mean, come on, it doesn't make it. There's a I, lot of things coming out about bribes and just sham interviews and all this other stuff. Not even just on the coaching thing. I just mean on everything from Snyder's. Everything they've looked at Snyder for, Jerry Jones with the daughter, like the NFL owners are going off a little bit. (laughs) I I feel like we've all been suspicious of these old white men for a very long time. It's just we have the internet and everything now and social media that it's just they can't hide anymore. Yeah. Or it's at least becoming harder. Yes. To hide. But. So I think Horton very much has a case. uh, I think I I, I looked into that a little bit too before the show. I think Horton 100% has a case. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, too. Like, when Flores first came out with this lawsuit, he, he said something basically to the effect of, like, he got a sham interview from... Um, the Giants and the Broncos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, he said, like, uh, Elway, and I don't remember the GM there, was, like, uh, he said they, he they were, like, hung over yeah. and disheveled, and they didn't really care. And, I mean, with the Giants, like, they put him through. Like, with the interview, they showed him the whole facility and stuff like that. They made it seem like a real interview. But, like, you know, there was just that, that text from Bill... Being like, hey, I heard you're hired as the Giants head coach. It's like, yeah, I think you texted the wrong person, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. With that guy, uh, any more thoughts? We're good. We're good on this. All right. All right. We are going to take one last quick break before we go over the five best off seasons, Tommy Report, and Darwin Award. As always, stick with us, guys. here guys getting ready to finish up the show one more segment before our you know our normal ones as always our tommy report and darwin but uh let's get into this ranking the five best nfl off seasons and the five worst jesse i'm gonna let you start with your uh let, let's start let's start on a good note let's start, oh, all right. five give me your five best and some explanations on why all right my my one best first best Denver broncos Number one, right? Yeah. Okay. They didn't. They didn't do much this off season, but what they did do was massive, mm-hmm. and it really. They were a great, good team. Even, maybe even the potential to be a great team, and they got that one piece to really put them over the top and be a real Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'll, I'll put them in at number one. Okay. My number two is the Cleveland Browns. Mm. One reason they couldn't be number one is because they are sort of ruining the locker room a little bit with this. Baker Mayfield situation, but like, you know, you replaced him with something far better in Deshaun Watson, and then you brought in Amari Cooper. So that that does wonders for your offense, which was struggling recently, uh, and like your defense was already probably going to be pretty good. So I'll put them as number two. My number three, 
And I also considered them as number two, but they, they kept their head coach, so I didn't want to put them as number two. Mm. The Chargers. They brought in some huge defensive help with J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think that's massive, but like I said, you, you didn't fire your head coach, so I think that's, that's going to be your Achilles heel coming up this uh, coming season. Mm-hmm. My number four is the Raiders. Mm. You brought in a huge piece in Devontae Adams. And you brought in a new head coach, a new offensive mind head coach, and Josh McDaniels. And uh, we'll see how the head coaching hire goes. And Chandler Jones. Oh, I forgot about Chandler Jones, actually. I, yeah. I bought, left that off. Yeah. But yes, you know what? Maybe they are even number three. Maybe. But I, I, I really like those moves. We'll see how Josh McDaniels goes. I'm sure he's learned a lot. And uh, yeah, I think, okay. I think they'll be pretty good. And then number five, because they fixed their biggest – well, not fixed. We'll see how it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything, anything can happen. But the Cincinnati Bengals is number five because they went after trying to fix their biggest problem, which is the offensive line. They brought in nice names like Ted Karras and Alex Kappa. And so I really like what they did this offseason. Okay. I'm going to push back on Cleveland because we have no idea how much Deshaun's going to play, how effective he'll be right away. And yes, they brought in Amari, but they also lost Jarvis Landry. I know Amari is probably a little bit better than Jarvis, but I don't think it's a huge difference. Well, this talk of Landry is like, Oh no! I kind of want to come back now. Oh, is there really? Because the quarterback is going to be better. Now, obviously, you know, it hasn't happened yet, so we can't really consider that. But he, he, this talk of he wants to come back now. That's funny. That's actually really funny. Um, I, I just think there's too many unknowns uh, with the Cleveland one for me to put them in the top five best, especially not all the way up at two. But uh, I, I Brian, think, do you have any pushback on his top five? Um, I think I'm in agreement with you. Mm. About the whole Watson thing. That's the only reason I would be not so bullish on Cleveland. After but, giving up so many, and, and wait, what if he's suspended the first month and a half? Like, I, I mean, I do get that. It's just he is such a talent that, like, even if it doesn't help you this year, you are you're set for a little while. Though. I know. I know, but all the guaranteed money. I just, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad move, but I just, I can't put them in my top five best. Okay. All right. Hey, it's fine, man. You still got Baker. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, Brian. Brian, your five best. So my five best. I think. I think we're, we're pretty much all probably going to say Denver was number one. Oh yeah. I'm right. Not, I'm not going to go on and on on Denver. Yeah. So Denver, the obvious one. I think I would actually go Chargers two. Okay. I would go Chargers two. I like what they did on offense, locking up Mike Williams. Uh getting that guy paid because you still got Herbert on the rookie deal. Um, so you have, you know, more money to allocate other spots on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a defense with some really good personnel in a couple of spots. Now you've added Khalil Mack to the other side of uh, Joey Bosa. And your backfield now, instead of only being Derwin James, is now J.C. Jackson and Derwin James. So I like them, uh, number two. I think I'm going to go Raiders 3. Okay. Uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby gives me nightmares. Mm. And you just added Devontae Adams to an offense that had Derek Carr, who does not suck, Jesse. Ah. Uh, Josh Jacobs He's and average. Darren Waller. Now yeah. you bring Devontae Adams into that mix, whom those two set some crazy records together at Fresno State mm-hmm. Yeah, when they were in college. So that's something pretty promising. I think to look forward to if you're a Ravens fan. Uh, four, I will go Cincy. Okay. For all that retooling and rebuilding they did on their own line. 
And I do think I actually have to go Cleveland number five because you went out and you got who you think is the guy. All right, so we're in a similar position, just a little jumble around. But uh, for all the mine's reasons wildly that, different. For all the reasons that you listed, Dom, I understand why, you know, a person would not be so bullish. Yeah. All right. I feel like you guys sometimes have, have taken this into like directly best off season. That means they're going to win the division or make a playoff spot. Now, I just mean like from what you did, just move wise, where it is. But anyway, we're gonna number five. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ha. And that's because they brought in somebody on the O-line in Okafor. They brought in another O-lineman as well. They brought in two other guards. They brought in Miles Jack, and they brought in Mitchell Trubisky. They've addressed the needs that they needed to. A team that made the playoffs last year with some of the worst quarterback play in the entire NFL. And not only did they address these needs, they did so without giving up pretty much any draft capital for a team that historically has drafted sensationally well. And the last year of having Colbert there at least running the draft, so you want to cash in while Colbert's still here, didn't give up any draft capital and didn't even have to spend that much money to upgrade the team the way they have. I love the Steelers offseason. Really love it. Really love it. I know there's not one name here that makes you jump off the screen, but the fact that they didn't have to give up draft capital or money, and it's a team, like I said, historically, who's drafted sensationally well, I think it's going to be a really good offseason for Pittsburgh. Uh, Number four. I have the Raiders. I don't need to go in too much on that. Devontae Adams, Jones with an offensive coach of McDaniels. Love it. Chargers. I'm going to go on the Chargers a little bit more just because there's some things that you guys left out. Um, They brought in Gerald Everett, the tight end. I think is a nice, sneaky, good addition for a solid, solid uh, additional weapon. And they I'm not going to name all the names, but they brought in two different defensive tackles for a team that was one of the worst, if not the worst, rushing defense in the league. So maybe bringing in two new defensive tackles is going to help as well. So some more underrated things the Chargers did I like. Number two, someone you guys didn't have on the list at all, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got rid of Bruce Arians, who I don't think was a great head coach, upgraded, in my opinion, on head coach to Todd Bowles. You brought Brady back, and you've largely kept all the guys we thought were going to leave. Godwin is back. Ryan Jensen is back. Carlton Davis is back. Leonard Fournette is back. And you added Russell Gage and Shaq Mason for the O-line. I think the Tampa had a sensational offseason. And the only thing that's better than them is the Denver Broncos because they've changed the fortunes of the franchise with bringing in Russell Wilson. All right, I'm going to push back on two of those. The Pittsburgh Steelers, not to think they had a bad offseason. You know, they addressed some of the line stuff. That's fine. I mean, you still had a 1,200-yard rusher anyway last season but like Mitch Chubisky's ass oh my and I don't I don't think he's is he more mobile and does he have a stronger arm than a dying Ben Roethlisberger sure but so do I okay but they got to the playoffs with Ben and they've upgraded their quarterback yeah but at least here's the thing with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger he's a veteran he's smart he's been in that system Mitch Chubisky is a a bit of a I don't know just some dude journeyman Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Year with Brian Dable, made the playoffs twice. Mobile, similar numbers to Baker. If you look at it, way cheaper. I I think he's I think he's really going to help that offense. Hmm. Is think, he limited? Are they going to win a Super Bowl with Trubisky? Probably not. No, I, I, listen, but, I don't think they had a bad offseason by any means. You lost not. Juju, but like, you're right. You're, you're probably going to draft his replacement and, and, and be just fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. I just don't think it's mm. that great. 
And then the Bucks. I mean, all right, I, I'll give you the Bruce Arians thing. Mm-hmm. I will give you that. But, like, Alex Kappa is better than Chuck Mason. Okay. I I I don't think Brady is going to, I don't know. Chuck Mason's cheaper, though. All right, I guess. But, like, I just, I, I don't think Brady is going to be whole confer- put up that MVP type season Their again. whole conference got worse. How true. I think it's been a sensational offseason. I think it's been a lucky offseason for them. <laughs> I think it kind of fell into their lap. I, listen, it, we we didn't say we didn't say Luck didn't have to play a part in this. I'm just saying it's been one of the best off seasons in my opinion. And I think Russell Gage, I think Russell Gage is a very nice addition. He's good. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him, but like it replaces it replaces AB, who they clearly mm, did miss. Yeah, I mean, well, sure, yes, they missed him, but he's not. I'm mean, obviously he's not AB's talent. No, and not quite as good. To be but. honest, when AB was healthy. AB was kind of their number one wide receiver. I agree. And yeah. Russell Gage ain't going to be that. No, but if Evans or Godwin has another injury, you nope. have you have more depth there than a guy like Russell Gage. There's some Gronk questions. Who's going to be your tight end now? Yeah, we'll see. We, so. we'll, we will see on that front, but I don't know. No, I can't wait till that meathead retires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We actually didn't say anything about Gronk in his comments. I, I think that happened in between these shows. Yeah, I kind of did. All right. Anyway, I'll start this one out. Five worst. I'm going to start with the Dallas Cowboys at number five. Uh, they have lost a lot. They lost Amari. They lost Lael Collins. They lost Randy Gregory. They lost Connor Williams. They lost Cedric Wilson. And they lost Xavier Woods at the safety spot. They're, they were <coughs> up against the cap. They salvaged it by bringing in, by keeping at least, you know, Schultz, Gallup, and Malik Hooker. But in general, they've become a worse team. It's been a bad offseason for Dallas. The Green Bay Packers losing Devontae Adams. Zadaria Smith and Billy Turner on the O line. They probably have the worst wide receiving core in football, actually, now. And I think the Super Bowl window has officially shut. I said this to somebody else. I have money on this. I wouldn't be shocked if the Minnesota Vikings win the division. I really wouldn't. I listen, bring in the offensive coach, new voice, new system. You know, things were getting stale there. There's a ton of talent around Cousins, and the offensive coach can get the best out of them. And Green Bay's on the downswing, drama-filled. And you're not going to tell me when they don't even look dynamic anymore and they look kind of average, there's not going to be a ton of bitterness between Aaron and the Packers in the front office? There isn't already. I know, but it's just going to get worse. But Kirk Cousins has been a quarterback with a bunch of talent around him, and yet nothing ever happens. You're bringing the offensive coach. It's going to make it better. Correct. I, again, correct. you got to chill with this. It's not like I'm saying Kirk Cousins is winning the Super Bowl, dude. Like, I'm just saying Packers took a back step. They're going to be drama-filled. There's other football reasons why. I don't think they're going to be great at football even, too. And the Vikings got Zadarius Smith to help out in the in the rush. They beat them last year, at least, in one of the games. And Kirk Cousins is a competent quarterback. I was going to say, like, doesn't Kirk Cousins, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but doesn't Kirk Cousins actually have, like, a fair amount of success against Aaron Yes, Rodgers? he does, actually, yeah. They do. I mean, I think they'll be a wild card team with how much that conference has taken a hit. But like, okay, listen, I'm just saying, if you put a gun to my head, maybe I'd still pick Green Bay. Do I think it's a decent bet, though, with what the odds are? Yes. And I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Anyway, from that, number three, the Bears. Just awful. <laughs> you gave up Khalil Mack for not even a fraction of what you ended up trading to get him, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, you lost Damian Williams. You've lost Allen Robinson and you lost Akeem Hicks. You brought nobody in to help Justin Fields as far as 
personnel on the offensive side. Uh, just brutal. Uh, number two is the Pats. I probably should have put them at three, though, considering the Devontae Parker thing. But whatever. I'm going to let you guys deal with that one more than I will. Um, number one, I'm putting the Carolina Panthers. I think they had the worst offseason of any team. They lost A.J. Bouye. They lost Gilmore. And the biggest thing is they lost out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. They didn't get a quarterback. And now they have to commit more to Sam Darnold or just draft a kid. Terrible, terrible offseason for the Carolina Panthers. Brian, five worst. So I think I'm going to go... I think I'll go... Uh, it's tough for me to pick between Dallas 1 and Carolina 1. and the So I'm, I think I'm going to go Dallas 1. And I'm going to go Dallas 1 because... Like, you, you were one of the... What? Three, maybe four most talented teams in that conference. Which is now all of a sudden the baby brother between the AFC and NFC. You cannot afford to get gutted that way in a conference where you're one of the three like legit threats on paper to open the season. Uh, Carolina, I think I'll put it to only because uh, you lost a lot, you know, significant pieces on defense and you lost out in the quarterback sweepstakes. And that was a serious position of need for you. Uh, Green Bay, three. You're probably not going to be that relevant now, outside of the fact that you're the you know you're a storied franchise, and you have probably one of the biggest insufferable dickweeds in all of professional sports on your team. Mm. He made he made our top ten list. Did he? Oh yeah. He for did. our you know oh, yeah, drama queens and stuff like. Yeah, he, he did. did. Yeah. That was a great show, by the way, gentlemen. Oh, thank oh, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I want to go. I kind of want to put New England somewhere on that list, but I know that the spending spree they went on last year kind of handcuffed them. Mm, that's true. Yeah, a little bit. So I think I'm just going to round this five out with a couple of really bad deals. Christian Kirk, I hate it. We talked about it before the show. I understand your point, Dom. You screw the rest of the league as far as wide receiver salaries yeah. go, but... Christian Kirk is not worth 17 and a half AAV. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, he's, he's not. not. He's not. So you have Jacksonville there. and then Yep, I got Jacksonville there. We also didn't like their head coach hire. I remember me and you didn't like it. Doug Peterson? We think he's a boob. <laughs> he is oh, yeah. a boob. Yeah, I forgot about that. You don't like him. All right, who do you have, so you have at three? Oh, no, he's oh, yeah, he, four. That's four. Who's five? Actually, you know what? I am going to go New England because Bill still pissed me off this year. <laughs> yeah. All right. Even though you brought in Parker, you still. Mm. Yeah, I got you. All right, Jesse, five worse. All right, I'm going to start, start with five then. I'm going to go the other way this time. I have number five as the Packers. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, you, you kept your franchise quarterback, which keeps this from being worse than it is. Yeah. However, at the same time, you gave him so much money, you handcuffed yourself everywhere else. Yeah. You let your best wide receiver go. You've given him no help, you no replacement otherwise. It's very dramatic over there. It's not it's not going well. Not a good offseason for them. Mm-hmm. Great offseason for Aaron Rodgers though. Yeah. Uh, I have number 4, going a little more with that drama offseason, the Washington Commanders. Uh you might we talk about it a little bit. Dan Snyder's in a little trouble. Yes. Might lose I might lose your owner. When isn't he? 
Uh, that's true. He's in, every week. It seems to be something. <laughs> oh, oh, we got something. <laughs> but like, it, this is my, one of my favorite. Not even Darwin's, but just like conversations after mm, about the Darwin. I'm excited about it. But uh, also, you brought in. You said you needed a new quarterback. You then landed on Carson Wentz, which then lowered your Super Bowl odds. They got worse with bringing in Carson Wentz, which I thought was an amazing stat. Yeah, Carson's commies. <laughs> but that's uh, that's my fourth. For number three, I'm actually going to switch it up. I'm going to put Patriots at three because they did bring in Devontae Parker. Yeah, there's, there's so many questions with the coaching and personnel. They haven't done much of any actual splashes other than that recent Devontae Parker thing. They've lost people like Shaq Mason, Ted Karras, mm. uh, amongst J.C. Jackson is another one. So uh, not good. Mm. Not good, Bill, for this offseason. For number three, Dallas Cowboys – or excuse me, number two, Dallas Cowboys, for pretty much every reason you guys said. Mm. They've been gutted. Um, and then my number one, with going back with that drama, New Orleans Saints – your your stud running back is in prison yeah. or, or maybe in jail for a very long time. You lost your head coach, which I think was one of the best head coaches in the league, and Sean Payton. Mm. Uh, say what you will about his morals. Um, you still have a massive situation with your cap. Mm. You still have Thomas. Um, you don't really have much of a quarterback. It's nothing, nothing. I don't can't think of a single good thing that has happened to that franchise this offseason. You you went a little more off the field with yours list than I did. I, I think you have New Orleans way too high still. I think Jameis played pretty well the, the games he was there for. I, th- yeah. I think there's something there with Jameis. Yeah, but he's not an answer. I think he is. Really? I think Jameis can be an answer. We'll, we will see. Give him a full year. Let's see. Mm. I think there is still some talent there. They are just in cap hell and can't address things. They're not going to be great. Um, and you don't know what the head coach and Peyton gone. It's not been a good offseason. I just I think you're a little over the top. I can't believe you don't have Carolina in there though. My problem with them is like, yeah, they've lost a lot of pieces, but like uh, the thing about that, like you were you were such a bad team, and you, you you're just still going to be that bad team again. All right. I understand fine. why. Like, you know, you should, probably should have tried something. Okay. Or resigned some of these guys, but like, yeah, you're just going to be a bad team again. That's why I didn't. Really care. I'm going to go back. I'm going to push back here on Brian's thing. I don't like Jacksonville in your worst just because they're not paying Lawrence everything. It was basically a lost year last year for Trevor. And there is limits to the guys that they could bring in because guys want to win also and get paid. They still want a chance to win. So it's not like they could get the most elite guy. I have no problem with overpaying for some people like Christian Kirk, considering that you need to make sure that Lawrence has some help around him and actually progresses this year. And you're not paying them anything. So you can overpay in other places. They're still not going to be good. I get that. But you need to make sure Lawrence grows this year. And as a caveat, I am telling you, them paying Christian Kirk that money screwed over the rest of the league. Who all doesn't have all the free money to spend like Jacksonville does. Now all of a sudden, Devontae getting what he got. Tyreek Hill's 30. I got... Gotta pay him 20-something million because he's better than Kirk, and Kirk got 17. Do you see Braden Cooks just got paid $20 million? Oh, actually, I was going to oh, no, that he got, he got 36 guaranteed. I know. But he's gonna. it's going to be like $20 million a year, like AVP, once you do all the other stuff and stuff like that. Um, that's because Christian Kirk got paid 17 and a half. I know. Jacksonville literally just like middle-fingered the entire league with that. 
which I think will pay dividends two or three years later if Lawrence is any good. I'm just saying. I'm I'm thinking big brain here with this one. I mean that it's almost it's kind of funny too. I'm also just tipping my hat. Look at the big <laughs> like if, 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 if like if we're gonna if we're gonna still suck. You know what? We're gonna take a jab at all of you. Screw all of you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll see when Trevor Lawrence needs to get paid. We will. But I, how long is the Kirk deal? Four years? Yes, four years. Yeah, he'll be fine. I, I bet you they, they would have paid a bunch of money on it by the time it's time to pay Trevor. Oh, I can be a real prick about this. You want to get rid of seventeen and a half? His deal is worth could be worth up to eighty four million. So if you want to do that, AAV is up to twenty one now. With his incentives. <laughs> Yeah, he won't have all those incentives. Not in Jacksonville. Not in Jacksonville. Also, I would like to amend my uh, Patriots as the fifth worth, worst offseason. I don't know how I forgot about Miami. Well, they got Tyreek. Yeah, that's a bad deal. For, and actually, it's going to be a bad deal it's, for it's every be a party ba- involved. It's going to be bad. It's. I agree. I still didn't put Miami just because. For the short term, for a while, it'll probably help them. They'll play better. So I didn't want to put them in. But yes, listen, down the line, I think you're going to look back and this was a disastrous thing for Miami. Really? Because, I, I mean, good player. I know the, the contract is not good for his age. I, too many picks. Weird fit. I was going to say, you brought in, you got also picks for your future endeavors. What do you mean? Like they got, they have, they're loaded on draft picks for no, the next year. No, I know, but that's still a lot of picks you gave up for a 30-year-old wide receiver who's largely just a speed yeah, threat. Yeah, but I'm saying you have now a bunch of future picks next year. Yeah. So on on the thing about his age real quick, what I will give Tyreek Hill and Miami in their defense here, like, Hill is such a freak that even, like, when, when the time comes where he actually, like, really starts to lose a step, mm-hmm. he'll still be faster than most guys. He might. He might. I don't know. Sometimes that hill comes fast. Is that, that a pun? Is that a pun? I, I didn't mean for it to be, but it but it was. <laughs> that hill comes fast. Yes, he, yes, he does. Yeah, he does come fast. Oh, dude. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Stop being dirty-minded. Uh, I didn't mean it for it to be like that. I know what you meant, didn't mean. The kids won't. The kids won't get it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we can move on. Yes. We can okay. do the Tommy report. Yes. All right. This is a weird one. <laughs> it's a weird. I mean, it's a weird Tommy report. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, weekly Tom Brady report. Everyone wants to know what he's doing. If you didn't know already, so I mean, it's it's been rumored for I guess weeks at this point that he wanted to go to Miami, mm-hmm. wanted to be a Dolphin. <clears throat> Stephen Ross messed that up. Yeah, and <clears throat> and now it's coming out that he also wanted to be a part owner. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be the first part owner player combo in the league has ever seen. To be honest, I don't know. Would the league even allow that? I don't think so. I'm gonna, I assume they would not allow that. I think Brady, once he actually retires, will be a part owner somewhere. Oh, I, I assume. Yes, absolutely. Like, I, you, you think this man's actually going to get away from football? No. Did I not say this weeks ago? He just wants to hold every record and every distinction there is. Yes. Yeah, that's probably what it is. But also, like, I mean, Tom, you thought this was never going to happen. No. The Bucks even came out and said, oh, he's going to play for us, so he's not playing at all this year. Well, no, no. They, well, they, the five uh, first-round uh, picks. You give us five first-round picks. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure no one was willing to do that. No. So, 
Right, anyone want to talk about Tommy? And, no, about no, no, I think you're good. I, I will say Gronk has uh, annoyed me now more than Brady has recently. Yeah, with that little, was it on Kimmel or something? Yes. Talking about uh, incentives and stuff like that. And, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Gronk. <laughs> Just go play in your kiddie pool, you big dumb monster. <laughs> we do forget that his, his issues with Bill were uh, a lot deeper and a lot more public, though. I mean, Bill did try to trade him. Yeah. Because your last two years here, all you did was cry and complain and moan about how football's not fun anymore. It's still a job, you pud. Yeah, and he was never healthy. That was yeah. the other thing. All right, moving on, though. Let's let's wrap this up. Do we need a drum roll? We kind of spoiled this. I don't give a crap. Right, let's drum roll, drum anyway. roll, Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Dan Snyder. <laughs> Dan Snyder, because you can be the most... Horrible human being. Treat women however you want. But the minute you screw over the NFL owners out of even any bit of money, you have gone too far, Dan. <laughs> you have gone far too far, Snyder. Um, so Dan Snyder now could actually face jail time. Also, if you didn't know this, um, with withholding ticket sales and revenue from the league, which at the end of the day, this is the third time we've given the Washington Commanders, like, in some sense, the Darwin. This is great for the franchise, though, in my opinion. If Dan Snyder actually does get convicted and arrested, oh, man. But Snyder, Snyder, you are a, a, a you know, POS yourself, mm-hmm. multi-billionaire. You know how much money, even in the smallest amounts, means to you and the people like you. Um no, 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 like, like people like you, not people like you. Um, no, no, I understood. Yeah. Why did you think, with all the other things that you have done that haven't been great for the NFL or the other owners, did you think it was a good idea to then screw them over out of some money? Just sensational. Uh, just amazing how Dan Snyder thought that that was, that was going to be okay. They've protected you the whole way through, but you messed with their money. I don't know why he thought that that was going to be okay. Greedy people being greedy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, of course, no, yeah. At this point, like the other, the other very rich old white men are like, you, you're dealing with some of my chump change. You're like, how am I going to pay for this dinner that I have tomorrow? Like, that's like hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it's listen. This is a Darwin for Dan Snyder and a side piece to the NFL and uh, their their PR in general. Because as I said, be as racist as you want, have as terrible as workplace as you want. Pimp out your cheerleaders. I mean, they basically were a, uh, a professional pimp agency with their cheerleaders for some of the stuff they were making them do. You can do all that, but the minute you screw us out of them, Dan Snyder's gone too far. We, we got to get him out of here. <laughs> we got it. We got to get him out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, just absolutely hilarious. I mean, it's been uh, I feel like it's been a real rough year and a half for the NFL. Not not money wise. Still, never no. been more popular, but. Just from a PR standpoint, it's been a rough year and a half for the NFL, and uh, this didn't help. Not, <laughs> not at all. Anyone who can look at this with any type of view and realize all the years of Dan Snyder being a, a terrible human being, this is where we're going to draw the line. Wow. Money. The victim of the crimes being, you know, billionaires who are just getting a little less money from the ticket chairs. Hilarious. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you said it. You can, you can sexually assault your cheerleaders. 
pimp them out. You can you can stand on the grave of one of your best players to ever play for that franchise to try to hide other things going on, but God forbid you mess with revenue. <laughs> God forbid some dollars are a little played with. Yes. Absolutely hilarious. But Dan Snyder, being the POS that he is, should have known better. Should have known that those men were going to draw the line with those couple of thousand dollars or whatever <laughs> it probably was from ticket revenue. But Brian, you have anything to put on here? <laughs> Dan Snyder, you idiot. <laughs> he really is an idiot. He is an idiot. But like I said. Well, I will say this. If he's gotten away with so, so many things that he's gotten away with over the years, why guess, can't you think, oh, I'm going to fudge some, some financial papers? I guess. I, I know it's a, it's a, it's a whatever you call that. But it, you're right. He should have known that the other rich white men were not going to be happy with this. Yes. That they will protect you the whole way through, but the minute you touch their money. Yeah. Yeah, this one's a layup. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Snyder, you know, all those victimless crimes that you did before, you've gone too far this time. There were true victims involved in this one. True victims. Yeah. And you not giving up that money. All right. That has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. We should be back next week on a Monday. And uh, go Sox. We get Detroit now for this week. NBA, the playoffs are coming soon. Yeah. I don't believe in the Celtics at all still. But no? if they make it to the third round, I will watch. If they get Robert <laughs> Williams back. Yeah. yeah well, how healthy, though? Uh, you never know how healthy he's going to be. Let's say you get him at 85%. You think he's going to beat the Bucks? Uh, maybe. Nah, uh, we'll see. We will see. I will take it seriously once they get to the third round. I mean, what did that game come down to the other night? They were they weren't fully loaded. I know, but it's regular season basketball. It's different. Uh, all right, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, thank you very much, guys. At Slow Your Roll on Instagram, slowyourroll.com, and Slow Your Roll on Twitter for you know Jesse's articles, news, past episodes, and clips. Have a great week. Oh, mate. Come see me at Fenway this weekend. I'll be I'll be there. Oh, yeah. Jesse, you'll be at Fenway this weekend. Yeah, I forgot come, about that. Come see me outside Gate A. Yeah, selling programs. Peace. Right. Peace.